0: Hi, everyone. It's Helen here. It's February 2022, and that means Summer Research Program applications are being accepted now until March 25th. We wanted to re-release our tips and tricks for students applying to the Wisest Summer Research Program episode for students considering applying to Summer Research Program this year. In this episode, I sit down with my colleague, Bridget Fraser, who is the Wisest Program Coordinator, and we discuss what it takes to put together a polished application. After reviewing hundreds upon hundreds of applications, she shares tips on how to make your application stand out. Please note that we recorded this episode last year, so any dates and deadlines we mention are outdated. We will be accepting applications from February 1st to March 25th this year. Please refer to our website for the most up-to-date information. We'll link it in the description below. I hope you find this episode helpful. As I mentioned, this is a very special episode because I get to sit down with my colleague, Bridget Frazier, to talk all things summer research program. The applications are now open, and we thought we'd produce this special episode to provide some valuable tips and tricks while you're putting your application together. But before we start, I want to introduce my colleague, Bridget.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Bridget Frazier. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the program coordinator here at Wisest, which means I oversee all of our core programming, which includes our choices conference, our set conference, and the program you are probably most interested in if you're listening to this podcast, the summer research program. I've been with WISES for two years as program coordinator and I have undergraduate degrees in biochemistry and education and I'm currently pursuing a master's of education in secondary science curriculum studies.
0: Welcome Bridget. Bridget has read over hundreds and hundreds of summer research program applications over the last few years we will refer to the summer research program as SRP for the rest of the podcast. I had the privilege to review some applications last year and we've put together a list of things you want to keep in mind when you're putting your application together. If you're just tuning in and wondering what SRP is all about, we'll give you a brief summary of what the program is, what skills you'll build as a student if you participate in the program, who is eligible to apply, and how impactful this program can really be. Then we'll jump into how to craft your application. So let's get to it. Bridget, let's walk students through the program. What is the SRP and why is it such a big deal?
1: So what the program is, it is a paid research internship at the University of Alberta. We pair grade 11 students with principal investigators, also known as PIs. These are usually the full-time profs at the university who lead research labs. And we also will pair students with supervisors, which are typically the graduate students working under the PI. These are the people who are doing research here at the University of Alberta. For our female and gender non-conforming students, we would typically pair you with a lab in the Faculty of Engineering, Science, ALES, Agriculture and Life Sciences. And then if you're a male student, we would partner you with a nursing or nutrition research. You would work full time for six weeks on a research project that you and your supervisor agree on. And then additionally there are professional development sessions organized or given by Wisest for you to attend. There's networking events, there's social activities, and then the celebration of research at the end of the program where you present your research project to your peers as well as friends and family. In terms of what skills students will build, uh, you'll learn what real life research looks like, how to read academic papers, how to work together with a lab group and supervisor. You'll build professional skills like communication skills, resume building, interview skills, digital science communication, presentation skills. You can bet that there will be something within the program that will push you out of your comfort zone and allow you to grow as a student and as a researcher. And then what makes this program so unique? Well, the majority of our students do end up going on to pursue STEM education and innovation careers. Some move on to become Canada research chairs, academics, potential astronauts. There's not a lot of other programs out there like this, especially ones that actually pay you for the experience.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So who's eligible to apply for this program?
1: First and foremost... Most importantly, grade 11 students. So you have to be in grade 11 going into grade 12 the next year. And then specifically, we're looking for young women and gender non-conforming students. Those will be selected for positions within fields that are underrepresented by their gender, which is typically engineering and sciences. And then young men are also selected for positions within nursing and nutrition faculties where their gender is underrepresented. As the WISE's mandate is to promote inclusion within STEM, we do encourage anyone who falls within other underrepresented or marginalized groups to apply, especially First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, neurodiverse students, racialized and gender nonconforming students, as well as those who fit within the LGBTQ community. You do need to be eligible to work with in Canada. That is a very important point because we pay you, you have to be in possession of or eligible for a social insurance number. If you don't have one right now and you're thinking of implying, please start the process right now. It can take some time and we can't hire you without a social insurance number. In terms of location, while we primarily have students from Alberta, we will take students from across Canada. We've had students from New Brunswick to the Northwest Territories. As long as you have the comparable prerequisites, we can look at your application. So generally speaking, this means you'd need to have taken or are in the process of taking university entrance level math and sciences at the grade 11 level. If you're not sure if these are compatible or comparable prerequisites to what we have in Alberta, the best place to check would be your guidance counselor, as they often deal with students who are transferring between provinces, they'll have a better idea. Then finally, in terms of grade prerequisites, you only need to attain an 85% average in your grade 11 math and science courses. Once we see that you've checked that box, that you have that 85% average, we do not consider grades beyond that.
0: All right. So I think top of the mind for a lot of students when they're considering summer programs this year is what's going to happen with COVID. (laughs)
1: That is a great question. And unfortunately, because of where we're at with the pandemic and with restrictions, the short answer is we don't really know at this point. However, we do know that the program will be happening regardless of what COVID restrictions are in place. Last year, we ran a very successful virtual program, and so we have the ability to do that again. There are a lot of external factors that need to be considered when we're deciding whether or not we're going to run virtual or in person. We are dependent, of course, on the government restrictions that are in place, the pace of the vaccine rollout, as well as the restrictions that are imposed by the University of Alberta. These have tended to be a little stricter than the provincial or even municipal restrictions which is totally understandable. Universities tend to have a lot higher population density. There's a lot of people living and working in a very small sort of area. And so that just makes sense that the risk of exposure is higher, so the restrictions are higher. Ultimately right now, we haven't heard anything about spring or summer in terms of municipal restrictions or the university restrictions. So we are planning for both possibilities, whether it be virtual or in person. Considering the information we have now, it's looking like it'll be virtual, but that's okay. We know how to do that.
0: So since the program looks like it will most likely be virtual, what can a student expect from that experience? How different will that be from an in-person program?
1: So, we still pair students with PIs and supervisors to work on a research project. Unfortunately, for a few of the labs, the hands on component will be missing because it will be completely virtual. That said, though, last year many of the computer based projects were able to be adjusted only just slightly for the virtual format. And so they were very comparable to what you would do in person in the lab. Students will still get to meet and interact with their lab groups. So often labs have lab meetings and the student is a part of that. It would just be virtual. They'll be coached on how to conduct the research and they'll still create a project that they can be proud of by the end of the program. Additionally, there's still going to be professional development geared towards increasing students' confidence and professional skills. We have lots of networking opportunities with mentors. That's one thing I can say that we had more of than we typically do in an in-person year last year when we ran the virtual program, because we had a lot more networking opportunities and so students got to meet a ton of mentors. We also will schedule a variety of social events that allow the students within the cohort to meet other students and get to know each other, and build a support network for each other. Our 2020 cohort developed a really strong set of connections with each other despite never actually having met in person. I can brag lots about this program, but I think what will be more helpful for this year's students who are considering the program is hearing from last year's students what they thought of the program.
0: The Summer Research Program was such an amazing and surreal experience. The whole month was absolutely packed with PD sessions and mentor opportunities. There was honestly never a boring moment. I had the privilege of meeting 20 other bright, curious individuals like myself, and that was such a gift. This program opened my eyes to so many possibilities, and it has really strengthened my resolve to pursue a field in STEM. I have now gained so much knowledge about the importance of diversity, and I shall advocate for diversity wherever I can. I'm positive that the Wisest Summer Research Program will be the gateway to many more opportunities and I was honored to be a part of this program. I was able to gain many valuable skills, traits, and knowledge through my active participation in the program. If it weren't for this program, I wouldn't have had the chance to improve my speaking, writing, and communication skills. I was always pushed to overcome obstacles and be independent. I was able to conduct research about a topic that was an area of interest previous to this SRP and it gave me the opportunity to learn. Awesome. So let's say I'm in grade 11 and I cannot wait to apply for the program. This sounds amazing. And I want in, what should I do? Where do I begin?
1: I would say the first step is familiarize yourself with the program. And really, this goes for any job that you're applying for, is you want to look into the job and make sure that it aligns with your goals. So research the program, visit our website, www.uab.ca slash wisest, understand the SRP goals, the wisest philosophy and mandate, and then ask yourself if you align with those goals and with our mandate. The second thing I would suggest is know what projects are available. Do they interest you? We have the Journal of Student Research going back as far as 2009 published on our website, as well as a table of past project examples. And while of course not all projects are going to be the same every year, it gives you a sense of what you could be doing. So ask yourself, do they interest you? Don't let them intimidate you either. There can be a lot of sort of science jargon in some of those titles. I assure you that even though they may sound scary and intimidating, you would be able to rattle off a ton of information about your project and sound just as expert as some of those research articles are on our website. And then finally, if you've known since you were three years old that you want to be a doctor or a dentist or a pharmacist, this is probably not the program for you. The hires program is probably a better fit and that's okay. We encourage you to check that program out as well. Just know that this does not do medical placements. It doesn't match our mandate. Our mandate is giving students the opportunity to explore fields that are underrepresented by their gender. And typically speaking, doctor, dentist, pharmacist, the representation is pretty even. All right. Thanks, Bridget. So just for your information, if you are
0: interested in the HIRES program, Google HYRS program, U Alberta, and you'll come up with some information for them. All right. So let's say I've done my research about the program. I'm still definitely interested in applying for it. This is exactly what I want to do this summer. Now what? I've opened the application and it asks me for pronouns. What does that mean?
1: Well, by definition, a pronoun is a word that replaces a noun that's not super helpful when it comes to our application. In our application, we are asking if you use she, her, like I do and like Helen does, he, him, they, them, she, them, or any of the many other pronouns out there. We want to get this right. We want to use the correct pronouns for you. However, this is an optional question and you only have to answer if you're comfortable doing so.
0: Awesome. So, There's some spots in the application that say optional when it comes to describing myself. If I put down that I'm part of a marginalized group like First Nations, Métis, Inuit, or racialized, what are you going to do with that information?
1: We want you to know that we are serious about promoting diversity. So we will use this to help us choose our diverse cohort. This information will not be used to discriminate against you. All right. Uh, moving
0: on, there's a section that asks about program ambassadors. What does it mean if I'm saying that I'm willing to be a program ambassador?
1: So our best advocates are past program participants. We want you to share your experience with the program within your school community. So future eligible students hear about the experience that may have a huge impact on their life. We give you the option of writing letters to your school admin team, the parent committee, you could present to grade 11 classes, talk to your teachers, and we'll coach you how to do all of that at the end of the program. It is, however, not an optional thing.
0: (laughs) So sometimes when students are applying for things like this, there's a section that says requesting residence or a subsidy. Some students feel like if they check the box that they can become a less desirable candidate because the program will then need to fork over extra money to support that student over someone who isn't requesting those funds.
1: Is that true? Short answer, no. With regards to residence, there is no detriment to you applying for residence. It is not a mark against you if you put down that you would like to apply for a position in residence. We actually need accurate numbers as soon as possible, so please be honest. In fact, it's more of a hassle on our end if you change your mind and decide later to apply for residence. Additionally, with regards to applying for the funding we have, we want to give people opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. And because of that, we do have a fund that we can spend from. That said, it is not a limitless fund. So if you don't need the funding, please let others who do need it apply. But no, it is not a detriment to apply for either of those things.
0: That's good to know. So there's a section on the application that asks about my top three projects. What should I keep in mind when I'm filling that section out?
1: I would say it's important to have an open mind about the projects that you would like to be a part of. We as an organization have very little control over the projects that PIs approach us with. So what that means is if you're hyper-focused on one small niche of science and you don't really show any openness to any other type of science curriculum that's out there, It might make it harder for us to choose you if that project just doesn't exist. If you pick a few diverse projects that you would be interested in, in, that will make you much easier to place. And we feel more comfortable choosing you because we feel like we could give you something that you at least have somewhat of an interest in. All right. So
0: you kind of made mention to this at the beginning for eligibility, but let's say I'm a student that just made it over that 85 percent grade that's required to apply. Does that make me any less competitive since I'm not at maybe a 95 percent?
1: We do not look at marks past 85% in the prereqs. We really just want to make sure that you have a fairly solid foundation in science and can do the science that we're asking of you. And that's as far as it goes. So this kind of goes two ways. One, don't just assume because you have amazing marks that you can kind of ride that and get in, that you don't have to put as much of an effort into the rest of the application, because that's not the point. And then two, don't be scared to apply just because you don't have the highest marks in your grade. We only wanna make sure you have the science background to do the project. And in fact, we have many students who say that they were surprised to get in because they don't have the highest grade. But I think it's important to point that out.
0: Okay, but I am only taking a science or math course this term, which means I won't have completed the required courses in time to submit my grades for the application. Does that make me ineligible? Mm
1: No, of course not. We know that you're in grade 11 and that you won't have completed all of your courses. So that's why we ask for and we can use your interim grades in the calculation of your average. This can be a verified print off from your school portal. So something like PowerSchool, you just need to have it either stamped or signed by the office or a guidance counselor. One suggestion I would make is if you're doing this, if you know that these are the grades that you need to use, is to maybe wait until close to the application deadline to submit your grades so we have a better understanding of how you're doing in that course.
0: Awesome. So do I have to have 85% in all my classes or is it just an average?
1: So it's an average. So if you have an 81%, for example, in one of those required courses, but the average of all of your science and math courses is 85%, you're good to go. Cool. So my schedule has
0: allowed me to take some 30 level classes. Does that give me an advantage?
1: So we do get a lot of messages about 30-level courses. While you don't need to have taken those courses, and we don't particularly consider them an advantage, we can use those marks if those marks are better than your 20-level courses. So please still include them in your transcript and in your application.
0: Okay. So what do I do if I'm not taking one of the courses until the fourth quarter this year? Or if I go to a small school where the courses aren't all offered this year?
1: So that's okay. Just send us a note with your transcripts explaining your situation. For those of you who are in those rural schools where, for example, it may only be that you can take all of your biology courses this year and it'll be chemistry and physics next year, please don't consider this a barrier to your application. We understand that you're working within the confines of your school system. We'll look at your transcript as a whole and kind of consider you as a whole student. Those of you who are doing the quarter system, which is sort of new this year, to the COVID restrictions, make sure to send in your interim marks and proof of registration in the required courses in Q4. So send the interim marks that you're doing right now for quarter three. Again, you may want to wait until closer to the application deadline. And then if you're successful in getting into the program, we may have to check that you were successful in your quarter four classes if they are pertinent to your placement. Mm -hmm.
0: Moving into our personal responses section, is this section that important?
1: Oh my goodness. This is so important. This is where you get to let who you are shine. This is how the reviewers who are looking at your application get to know you.
0: All right. So since it's so important, what should I keep in mind when I'm putting together that personal response?
1: So first and foremost, be enthusiastic and be genuine. Let the true you shine and share what about STEM inspires or excites you. With that said, don't overuse your thesaurus. It's very easy to tell when somebody has just gone through and chosen a few random words here or there, looked up the thesaurus and changed the word. We want to hear your voice. And it becomes a little distracting away from that when we see all of these words that don't seem to fit within the context of your essay if you've chosen to go the essay route. Also, while you should answer the question prompts, simply responding to them with generic themes and ideas will not help you stand out. These are just meant to be a starting point to your response. Tell your story, show your enthusiasm, give us an idea of who you are and why we should choose you and then make the effort to stand out. We sometimes get triple or quadruple even the number of applicants to positions available. Last year, because of our virtual program, we actually only took 10% of the applicants received. So you do need to stand out. That said, we do accept students from all walks of life and many are super surprised to be offered the opportunity in this program. So don't let this stat deter you from applying, but do put in the effort on your application. With that said, don't leave your application to the last minute. While you don't have to do this, we do have the essay option, creating a creative video or podcast or other creative submission shows a little initiative and effort on your part, hopefully. I mean, that said, it's also easy to create a very generic video, but we're also open to other ideas. If you have any ideas how to submit a personal response that kind of goes outside the criteria laid out, go ahead and email me at wisest.ualberta.ca and ask me if it'll work and we can work together to make that happen for you. And then finally, don't feel like you need to have a laundry list of science experience. We want you to detail what you hope to contribute to the program as, as well as what you hope to gain from your experience. What do you bring to the table and where will you go with your experience afterwards? Also, don't just focus on what the program can do for you, be explicit about what you bring to the program.
0: Great, there's a lot of really awesome tips there. And I definitely know as a reviewer, I am looking for all of those things. So definitely keep those things in mind when you're putting your application together. So moving forward in the application, it asks me to include two teacher references. Can I ask any of my teachers, is there anything I should keep in mind about this section?
1: So we do ask that you choose your science or math teachers as they can speak to the experience that you have had that most directly relates to the program. And just like with any other reference, you know, whether it be for university applications, scholarships, or jobs, it's always good practice to ask your teacher first before you actually put their name in your application. Nobody likes surprise reference requests, and our application form is formatted to automatically email your teachers information about how to fill in the reference form. So make sure you ask them before you fill in your form choose your references wisely. Ideally, you've known your teacher for more than like half a semester of classes, or if they haven't known you long, at least check to see that they can speak to your character and your competency and your suitability for this program. I mean, that goes for any reference letter, really. And then finally, give your references plenty of time to fill in the form with thoughtful answers. Please don't spring this on them last minute. You probably won't get a great reference that way. Mm -hmm.
0: So I'm just curious, as someone who has reviewed hundreds of applications, what are some general tips that you'd like to share with our audience about what makes an application truly
1: stand out? Pay attention to details. Details are so important. As a reviewer, the thing that makes me go really the most is when someone expresses that they are very detail oriented and then they completely ignore the submission instructions. This also goes for proofreading. You know, free grammar and spell check applications exist. Please use them. Have somebody read it over. Check your spelling. Check your grammar. Don't forget about the online application part. There are a couple of screening questions in there that you should give a little bit more than just a brief answer to. And just remember as well, this application that you're sending to us, this is the only thing that we have to judge you on. Very rarely do we know you outside of the program and outside of the application. So you need to kind of put your best foot forward with your application because this is the only way we get to know you at all. Make note, early applications are appreciated. There is only a couple of us in the office sorting through these. So the more that we get before the deadline, the easier it is to start the application review process and actually start choosing people. If you hit a roadblock or are confused by anything on the application, you can totally email us, we'll answer your question. However, Please make sure that you have read through all of the instructions and the information provided on the website, as the answer may probably be already at your fingertips on our website. We do have a checklist that you can go through. If your answer still isn't there, go ahead, email me, no problem. And then, if you do have questions, it looks a lot better if you are the one who asks for help or for clarification. You know, not your parents, not your teachers, not your pets, not your friends. You get the picture. Take responsibility for your own journey. And then, final points about this application. Be honest. We want you to have the best experience possible. So you need to be honest about everything that you put in the application. And then finally, make sure you finish the application. Go through the checklist. There are numerous parts and numerous things that you have to complete. There is the online form. There's the personal response. There's the teacher references. Make sure all of those are done because we don't look at unfinished applications. We have too many other finished applications to look at. That's sort of the first screening step is to get rid of anything that's missing anything. And then we just don't look at those. So if you put the time and effort into, let's say, your personal response, but you don't get both of your teacher references in, that's a bit of a waste of time on your part. So make sure you finish your application.
0: Yeah, some really, really great tips. And thankfully, this is in podcast form, so you can rewind and listen to those points again. So let's say I made it past the first part and I get asked for an interview. I'm so excited. What does this mean and how can I prepare for the interview?
1: So. First and foremost, are you going to push yourself out of your comfort zone? Are you going to push yourself to grow in this program? How do you show us who you are? So you don't have to be an extreme extrovert and be like over the top, but we still wanna hear who you are. It's totally okay to be nervous, but let us see you. You know, we understand that you're in grade 11 and have probably had limited experience with job interviews, that's fine. But we still want to see your personality come through. So if you could basically be replaced by a cardboard cutout of yourself in the interview, we're going to have a hard time seeing you as part of the cohort and how you would fit within our team. It's always a good idea to dress professionally as well within an interview. I mean, that's just good interview practice. And this will be a requirement of the program from time to time. So it's a good place to get started on that.
0: Yeah, and also, this is a great opportunity to get out of your pajamas, since that's kind of what we've been living in for COVID. So it's a good excuse just to get dressed up. So take it. All right, so that's all great. But what if I get rejected? What does that mean?
1: Oh, please remember that we would love, love to accept many more applications. We just simply can't. Last year, for example, we had almost 200 applicants and we had only 20 placements. That means that's like 10 percent. So if you don't get accepted, what does that say about you? In a lot of cases, it simply comes down to the numbers. We do limit how many applicants are accepted from each school and each region, as we do strive for diverse representation from across the province. We are also really intentional about building a cohesive cohort full of different personalities. So all of this is to say that if you don't get into the program, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or wrong with your goals to pursue STEM. In fact, we encourage you to find other ways to engage with either wisest or STEM in the future. And I will say as well, I know that that 10% stat can feel a little like daunting. But like I said before, often students are very surprised that they're the one who've been chosen. And so I don't want that to be a deterrent for you to apply to the program, you may just be surprised. And if anything, it's just good practice filling out applications because for those of you who are pursuing post-secondary, you're gonna to have to do a lot of those in the next few years. So I mentioned that we would encourage you to find other ways to engage with either us or STEM. So what are some of those other opportunities? Well, we have the SEC conference some of you may be familiar with. It is for students in grade 10, 11, and 12. Again, female and gender non-conforming students. And this is a chance to do some hands-on science. Typically, this is held at the University of Alberta. You'll also get to meet some role models and mentors and learn a little bit more about networking. We also have the Wisest Youth Council, which is a council of youth members who kind of have projects that they're doing and working on with regards to furthering Wisest mandate. And it also gives a voice on the rest of our committees to youth. You do not have to have been an SRP member to be eligible for the Youth Council as well. And then finally, the wisest volunteer intern. So once you get into your undergrad, if you're here at the University of Alberta, we have intern positions available to where there's projects that happen around the office that you can help us with. And all of the information about those things are on our website, so you can check that out for more information. Additionally, we have actually highlighted on our website in the section for high school students external STEM programs that you can engage with. So, for example, the Wild Outside program with the Canadian Wildlife Federation, if you're interested in leadership, conservation, or recreation activities, is an option. There's a section for Indigenous students, things like the Verna J. Kirkness program, Sing Canada, or S I N E W S. another program as well. And then we have a number of other national programs that are highlighted on the website. So if you go to our website and go to the for high school students section, you'll see a list of other STEM opportunities that you can engage with.
0: Awesome. So thank you, Bridget, for sharing these tips and tricks on how to make your application shine. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Anything you want to leave our listeners with
1: any parting thoughts? Honestly, I'm so excited to read your applications. So if you're even thinking about applying for the SRP and you're not sure if you're a good fit, please just apply. I really enjoy reading the applications and, you know, finding people who I think would be a great fit for our program. So I can't wait to read what you send in. Awesome. So
0: whether you're thinking about applying to SRP or you're already in the process of putting your application together, uh, we hope you got some valuable information from this episode. Make sure to stay in the know about the WISE of STEM podcast by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to stay updated on our other programs, consider subscribing to our monthly e-newsletter or following us on social media. You can find all that information in the description. That's it for now. Tune in to our next episode, which will be released in March.